0: On September 14th, Netflix released a three part series called Sins of Our Mother featuring the Lori Vallow Daybell case. Recently, I covered part one, called the 144,000, where it covered Lori's numerous husbands. It also had Colby Ryan in it, Kelsey Ryan, and she talked about how Lori was off, and I believe her theories are spot on. And also, it covered Lori meeting Chad and the lead up to the first murder of Charles Vallow. Now, in this video, part two, called Dark Spirits, it picks up at the point where Charles Vallow was murdered. So, we'll also talk about Chad and Lori's hit list and the murders that happened after Charles. And I'll also include what didn't make it in the show. There's also some more insights from Kelsey in this part too. And we learn more from Dr. John Mathias, a forensic psychologist. He was also featured in part one. We also hear from Nate Eaton from East Idaho News. We know that he's been covering the case since the children went missing. And also Justin Lum from Fox News, who's been covering the case since Charles was killed. So now let's get into it. Episode two of Sins of Our Mother is described as dark spirits, as Lori's behavior and a bizarre ranking system raise concerns for her family, chilling discoveries come to light. So in the opening of Sins of Our Mother part two, we hear Alex calling 911 and telling the operator that he just shot Charles in self-defense. Now, one of the things that stood out right from the beginning way back when is the Bocus 911 call the operator asked Alex if he wanted to do CPR and he responds with no I don't know how to do that in a previous video that I did in the Charles Vallo series just based on the phone call you could tell that he was not doing CPR on Charles plus, Alex waited a very long time to even call 911. They estimated, I think it was around 43 minutes. Lori and Chad claimed that Charles was a zombie. So, why would you resuscitate a zombie, right? So, Alex comes out of the house with a boo boo on his head. And he said that Charles came at him with a bat. Now, Charles was no stranger to a bat. He played college baseball and attended university on a baseball scholarship. Not to mention, Charles was in excellent shape. So if he was gonna swing a bat at Alex Cox, in my opinion, Alex would have a lot more than a little baby boo-boo on his head. Wouldn't you agree? Let me know below. In the episode, they talked about Lori taking Charles's car. Well, really, she stole it. She went to go drop JJ off at school, but decided to pick up some Burger King on the way to feed JJ. She stopped for flip-flops at the store to buy herself some, and also Tylee, and then she had plenty of time to coach, in my opinion, Tylee on the drive there and back. And she would call the shots on what's gonna happen. I believe they had an estimated 40 minutes, I believe. I had it in one of my videos um, in the Charles Vallow series. Janice Cox appeared on the episode as well. That's Alex and Lori's mom. And she said, Lori said that Charles was going to take JJ to school Friday and pick him up. He took JJ out to put him in the car and he forgot his phone. And she saw some things on his phone that really upset her. And he came back to get his phone and she said that's when they got into a fight and she wouldn't give him his phone and she was running with it. That's when Tylee woke up and got the bat. They were screaming at each other and that woke Alex up. Now, side note, it was a Thursday that Charles died. And here is obviously more manipulation from lori she tells janice this story that tylie woke up and then alex woke up but alex was long up and what they didn't mention in the episode was that alex slept in the room that faces the front of the house in perfect view of the driveway so kelsey ryan colby's wife had something to say about this which was spot on but we'll get to that in a minute but even though charles was shot and killed Lori appeared to find humor in the situation as she was seen laughing and smiling to the officer. You know, Lori and her infamous, like, hi, neighbors, sorry, (laughs) and then giggles. What they also didn't mention in the episode is that Lori was not only having this time of her life, that day, she also had a pool party that afternoon at her house with witnesses. So I think that's an important detail, don't you think? Let me know below. So Justin Lum from Fox News was on the episode and he talked about Lori's odd behavior. And he said, when we first got body cam video, she is clearly smiling. She doesn't even ask if Charles is okay. Your husband just died. It doesn't matter if you're separated or not. Lori spent over 15 years with this man she has a huge history with him you'd think there would be some shred of you know something but in her mind and in my opinion Lori just thought she became one million dollars richer like she hit the jackpot and obviously she didn't care clearly didn't care now at the time that charles was killed Lori would have been with chad for nine months while chad was still married but i'm surprised honestly i'm a surprise at this point that she didn't laugh like you know the count from sesame street and look ah 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 I'm surprised that didn't happen. Justin Lum said, Lori just seemed to be ready for this, like she expected this to happen because why should she act so nonchalant? Well, they were ready. You know, it was all part of this evil plan. Rubric coming in a minute. In the episode, they showed some clips of Tylee and Lori being interviewed at the police station the day that Charles died. Lori was her giggly self. But Lori said, The kids had been outside by that time and I heard the gunshot. I didn't see the shot, I heard it. Then I came back around and saw that he was on the ground. She giggles and says, I was just freaking out and just went to mom mode. I gotta get to the kids. In the interview with Tylee, she said she didn't see what happened. And Janice talked about Tylee and what she heard that day and she said she heard the shots out there i guess there were two shots she heard them but she said they didn't sound real loud like it didn't freak her out on camera tylie said oh i went to go get my mom's purse from inside so we can have her wallet and everything so when i went in i just tuned everything out ran to my mom's closet, I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything, I went after my mom came out. Now in a previous video in my Charles Vallow series again, I talked about how Tylee grabbed Lori's purse from her closet. But the way she would have had to walk out of the house, the way the house was laid out, she would have seen Charles lying on the ground. And it's interesting how it was Tylie that had to go get Lori's purse from the closet. Why didn't Lori get it her dang self? Because Lori only cares about Lori in my opinion Janice said "Tylie didn't see anything after Charles grabbed the bat from her I can't picture a scenario where she would make that up to help her mother people say oh well she'd do whatever Lori told her I don't think that's true at all she's a teenager now to me there's a difference between making things up to help her mom or making things up because she has to because there's an or else factor to it what do you think let me know below so I wonder if Lori threatened Tylie of some nature in my opinion i would not doubt it as for alex we know that he was questioned and released janice said they said you know you can go ahead and go they never brought him into questioning again they told him you know they'd have to go through the da and clear it but they were satisfied at the time that it was self-defense so with the death and murder of charles comes the interesting phone calls and texts after Lori calls her son colby and tells him of the news colby said So I was at work, my mom calls me, I don't even remember what the conversation was. She just kind of broke it like, so Charles died this morning, he had a heart attack. He came over to get JJ, had a heart attack and died. I was like, are you okay? Is Tylee okay? Is JJ okay? Like I was freaking out. Elsie talks about it and she says something didn't add up. She said, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't sound right to me. Now, Colby says, I felt so uneasy. I'm like foggy at this point. I walk in the house and I see Alex on the couch and he's wearing a bandage around his head. I will never forget that feeling in the house. Tylee is at the door and she just cries and just falls into my stomach. I go, where's mom at? Like, what is going on? I walk outside and I go, what happened? Then Tylee said, Charles and Al got into a fight and Al shot him. Colby says, and I just went, what? And I went into the house Al said something about he hit me with the bat, so I shot him twice, and I was like, what? This bat reference is more important than people may know. References to baseball was part of an email that was written a few weeks before by Lori, and she was pretending to be Charles and writing to Chad. He was pretty much begging for Chad to come out to Arizona for a visit and on the surface, it looks like an email to look credible so Chad can come visit Lori and Tammy not know the wiser. However, the letter is so long-winded and it talks about baseball and other interesting references. Even Lori's brother believed it to be in code. I'll have that video below or right here. I am still sticking to it. Let's go back to Colby about Charles. He says, this is my dad. This is really the father figure of my life who's been there for as long as I can even remember back to, and the fact that she would lie about how Charles died still blows my mind. Lori used the words heart attack, right? She figures it wasn't lying because it was an attack on the heart, and Charles was shot in the chest, so it's not a lie, right? It's just like Chad Daybell's burning limb debris comment he made, and later Tylee would be found dismembered and burned. His text said, I felt I should burn all of the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. He said that he buried a raccoon in the pet cemetery. Kylie would be found in the pet cemetery. So Kelsey gets the news from Colby and when she gets home, she tells him that she does not want to have anything to do with the family after that. And she says that was hard. There's so many things running through my mind. Like, was it really Lori? Did Alex take the fall? Why would she say he had a heart attack and then tell Colby in person that it was different? Why is Alex staying at her house? He never, from what I know, ever stayed the night there. So why is he magically there that night specifically? That doesn't sound right. Now, I wonder why Tylee didn't message Colby about Charles. It makes me think that Lori instructed Tylee not to say a peep or else. Well, now Lori got that out of the way to tell Colby, so she moves on to Charles's sons. Only, why do it through a phone call or in person, right? She gets on to text because, you know, why not? The text reads, Hi boys, I have very sad news. Your father passed away yesterday. I'm working on making arrangements and I'll keep you informed with what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. Just want you to know that I love you and so did your dad. So she says yesterday. And one of the son's responses says, "Lori, what the F happened? You can't just tell us our dad died and disappeared. You're not too busy to just let us know he died and disappeared. And then he says again, "Lori, it's been three hours. You're not that busy. I don't care what you're doing. And through text, like, by the way, um, I'll just get a burger and fries. And oh, by the way, your dad died. Oh, can you make it a double cheeseburger? Oh, with ketchup, no biggie. How do you tell your stepsons that your father has just died through that? It's ridiculous. So one of the sons responds, what happened? And she doesn't respond for hours, for three hours. Lori says, I'm sorry you are so upset. I'm so upset too. I'm trying to get JJ ready for bed. I'm waiting to hear back from the medical examiner to make sense out of all of this myself. Please be patient with me. It's a crushing situation all the way around. I'm still trying to processing it too and what it means for JJ. Now, what they didn't say on the show was that another three days go by and she still hadn't answered Charles' sons. And also, his sons knew that Charles had these really nice fancy watches and they wanted some so that, you know, they could have something of their dad's. Well Lori sent a bunch of watches to them that were cheap and like I don't even know if it was Charles. I mean how heartless can you really get? But this is Lori and she was seen laughing in court. I'm going to do a video about the ban. So as a recap Lori lies to Colby She lies to her stepsons. she lies to JJ's school, tells them that Charles committed suicide. And what they also didn't mention in Sins of Our Mother was that she told JJ that Charles was away on business, not that he was dead. So if we want to talk about Sins of Our Mother, then let's really talk about Sins of Our Mother. What do you think? Also, what wasn't mentioned in this episode was that hours after Charles' death, Chad phones the funeral home and he wants to know about Charles being cremated. And he uses a baseball reference. He's a funny guy, right? He also uses his name as Chad Dabal, D-A-B-A-L, from Iowa. But he says on part of the call, um, we just had a death in the family and we really don't want anything but a cremation. And then to send the cremains to a family in Louisiana just a simple no nothing other than the cremation and sending him to his family for a service in Louisiana. So is there any way to know a ballpark price on that? He also says throughout the call and we'll deal with the service later he giggles and then he says so just trying to get a ballpark price. So now Charles is dead so what's the next step right? Well let's collect on the one million dollar insurance policy. So Lori calls up the insurance company and She calls to collect and tells them that Charles was shot, but she later finds out that she's not the beneficiary. So she texts Chad and tells him that she believes that the beneficiary is Kay, but she still tells Chad that she should be getting still the $4,000 in benefits because of Tylee and JJ. Colby says, right after Charles was killed, my mom was acting really crazy. She just said, I've gotta be real careful. People are after me. And she made it seem like she had enemies. And then my mom calls me and tells me that she's moving somewhere cold and we'll be back a lot. We'll be back every couple weeks. She told me she got a job and Tylee was gonna try to go to school. So it seemed like they were trying to build this life. They were actually going somewhere for a reason. Now Lori cancels JJ's school and told them that she got a job. And she told the same lie to Colby, obviously. She also got rid of JJ's service dog. And then Charles was killed in July. By September, she was off to Rexburg. Now it shoots to Janice and she's visibly upset. And it's a very different Janice than what we've seen in the past in interviews. I mentioned that in part one. She talked about Tylee and she said, The last time I saw her, they were packing and it was hard. Hard to say goodbye to Ty-Ty. Colby talked about Tylee and said, "'She was crying and she just looked really upset, "'and I asked her what's wrong. "'She didn't talk. "'She didn't tell me where they were going. "'I don't even know what she knew. "'I remember just giving her a pathetic hug "'and her just not really talking "'cause she was so upset.'" Colby said that Tylee always put on a brave face. Janice said of Tylee, "'I said, are you gonna be okay, little doll?' "'And she just burst into tears "'and I was just talking to her and I said, what's wrong? She said i'm okay mimi i've got everything i need she said i just needed to cry so we just sat there and hugged for a long time so colby then says and they just left for arizona the next morning i mean it was that fast it seemed like tylie was also following this idea that they were either in danger or something was happening So my mom was just playing every card on everybody. Like she played everybody in a certain way to make sure everything felt okay and that was it. Or as I always say, lie, lie, manipulate lie. A few weeks after they left to Rexburg, it was Tylee's birthday on September 24th and she would have turned 20 this year. And Colby texted Tylee for her birthday but he received what he thought this weird text back. But Tylee's phone responds back. It says, thanks Colbs. I love you. All lowercase he says the feeling was weird because she didn't sound like tylie now tylie would already be dead at this point of this text she was only in town for a week before she was killed and in fact that text not only was when tylie was gone but also at this point jj would have been as well just but i would love to know the timestamp stamp on this text now colby also talks about confronting Lori about this text and he says i called my mom and confronted her and she acted really weird about tylie but she tried to convince me that tylie was in school having a new life with friends and moving on She will just call you when she has a chance. And then he goes on to say that those texts didn't feel right. That's when I called it out. Tylee, this doesn't sound like you. You don't speak this way. You don't use punctuation here. So why don't you just call me and talk to me? And that's when she just stopped. Now, Lori's busted by her son at this point, but still confused, right? Then Lori shuts her phone off. This was addressed in part one. Lori ends up emailing Colby later and saying not to worry that she's safe and happy. But Kelsey says, I was really worried about the kids. I started investigating because something just seemed so off. I would research Lori's name and then I found their podcasts, and I was listening to that. Kelsey also remembered Charles was sending emails before he was murdered, but she never read them before. She just started to pour through them then. And she said, that's when I found these family history documents. Charles wrote, she calls her own daughter a dark spirit, please help her, Charles Vallow. Kelsey said, my throat fell in my stomach. It was this list of our friends and family and they were listed as light and dark spirits. Here enters what I call the hit list. Chad sent this rubric to Lori of her family and his made-up history of them, listing them as light and dark spirits. Interestingly, the ones that were rated dark Lori had issues with, and many of them would become Chad and Lori and Alex's victims. Colby said, we were both like, what does that mean, like dark spirits? And Kelsey says, and I saw my name on there and I was a three dark spirit. This is totally not okay. Colby says, like someone sat there and made this list as if they were like God or something. Remember, Lori thinks she is a God. He says, making a list of who is good, who is evil. To see my wife is dark, my brother is dark, my cousin is dark. And this is a line that says it all by Colby, Laurie's own flesh and blood. He says, everyone on this list basically is the ones that didn't love and adore my mom. And there it is. Kelsey looks over the list and says, and scrolling down, I saw Tylee's name on there and she was 4.1 dark spirit. And then I saw the guy that sent the email to Laurie and I was like, who the hell is Chad Daybell? Yes, who the hell is Chad Daybell anyway? Dr. John Matthias was on, he was also on in part one and he talked about Chad Daybell and he said, Chad created this rating system assigning numbers to people as dark or light. He claims he can distinguish evil spirits from good spirits. He's making this appear like it's a scientific system and it's valid. Justin Lum says if you are very dark your spirit has left your body and it's in limbo. You're a zombie now and the only way to free your spirit is to kill the body. Back to John Matthias who says Chad said there's 20,000 zombies. I believe the goal was to eradicate the 20,000 zombies we're not sure what a zombie really is and also a zombie is kind of a fictitious idea the part of that that makes sense to me is because it's so nebulous it gives chad deba more power and if you want to know who the 20,000 zombies are you gotta go to the big man you gotta go to chad whatever murders he was involved in were perfectly justifiable If these were zombies, then they needed to be eliminated so that he could realize his vision. Therefore, they follow the hit list. Then there was a text between Lori and Alex. Alex says, what are you doing? Lori says, working on Zs. Alex says, proud of you. Lori says, no more Zs. We're trying to get to the bottom of what we need to do to eliminate them completely. I'm sure you will be told also. Then in a text, Lori says, bad news on our brother. Alex says, what's that? Lori just puts Z. Alex says, really, when was that? As of early January, Lori says. Alex says, that explains his interest in Charles. Lori says, more sad news, guess who's the final Z? Alex says, Pops or Brandon. When she says that happened in January, that's when things were going downhill for Lori and Charles. You know, where Lori stole the truck, of Charles, Um, I did talk about that in part one, and then he stole his money from his business accounts, all that kind of crap. So that was January. So Charles turned to Adam for help. So that's why the brother is bad news and is a zombie, because you know, he didn't agree with lori then they talked about the attempted murder of brandon Boudreaux. and brandon is lori's niece's husband at the time well they've been separated for about four months at this point but brandon just moved into a new place and the only person who knew the address was his ex-wife melanie and we know brandon was rated dark on the hit list. Brandon also would talk to Adam. So Brandon leaves his house on the morning of October 2nd and he heads to a custody exchange with Melanie Boudreau. And he goes to the gym and by the time that he comes home, there's a Jeep waiting for him. And through the back window, Brandon is shot at, hitting the window of his vehicle and missing his head by inches. Then the Jeep takes off and Brandon believes it was Alex Cox who tried to kill him. And it ends up being Charles Vallow's Jeep only Charles has been dead for months and Tylee drove the Jeep, except she's dead too. But Justin said in this special, he says, another source told me Lori called Alex her hitman. Now don't forget, Alex attacked husband number three, Joseph Ryan with a stun gun. He got in trouble and he went to jail over it. He shouldn't even have been having a gun in the first place uh, with Charles, but you know, that was looked over in my opinion. What they also didn't talk about in part two in Sins of Her Mother, was that Lori and Chad were seen rolling the back of the tire to the Jeep and the back seat of the Jeep into their storage unit. Brandon reports it to the cops. The cop says, do you have any enemies? Brandon replies and says, I just went through a divorce. There was some crazy stuff that happened with her aunt. I would hope that it has nothing to do with this. The only people that I could even think of would be that group. They switch gears and now bring Julie Rowe on again. She was also in part one. Julie says, while I have no proof of this, what the Lord has told me was that Lucifer told Chad that he and Lori were the Divinic King and Queen who would start the Church of the Firstborn, which is a lie. Christ will start the Church of the Firstborn, not Chad, Daybell, and not Lori. It's weird stuff. He was into weird stuff, although people would look at me and think I'm weird, but I know I work for the light side and I know Chad works for the dark side lucifer was talking in his ear to pump up his ego his vain ambition and pride and i believe that's exactly how lucifer got to him she goes on to say chad Dable was wrong about a lot of stuff i mean he seemed like he had been a good father i only saw him treat his wife tammy well even though he had questionable things going on like it's one thing if you suspect somebody is having an adulterous relationship, it's a whole different deal to accuse him of murder. But last time I saw him in person, I asked about Tammy. His eyes glazed over. It was like he went into some weird trance and he was saying weird things. He said, I had a vision. I saw Tammy in my truck. She went off the road, hit a pole, and he could see her spirit leave her body. It's interesting because chad urged tammy on october 4th two days after the attempt on brandon to go see her parents and she did so then by october 9th a week after brandon's attempt tammy has an attempt made on her life justin lum says a man in a ski mask comes up to her shoots at her she screams calls for chad He runs around back after she screamed and trying to talk to the suspect in a ski mask with a paintball gun. Tammy went to Facebook after this event and talked about it. But Julie says, The last time I saw him, Chad said something to me very disturbing and very alarming. He leaned forward and he goes, I just don't think my plan can move forward till the spouses are dead. And I looked at him and I said, What? Then there was a text between Chad and and Lori. Basically, he's saying that Tammy's now become a zombie. She's in limbo and a level three and he calls Lori Lili. 10 days after the attempt on Tammy, she dies. Justin Lum says, it's hard not to see a pattern here of financial gain as motivation. So Lori thought she was $1 million richer with Charles Vowell's death, but She didn't get the money. But Chad made $430,000 after Tammy's death. And Justin Lum says, So they had the money and their end of the world preparations was moving forward. It seemed like Chad believed certain people had to marry on Earth in order to be sealed for eternity in the afterlife. Now we get to the getting married part because we know there's some weird marriages happening Zulema says Chad did give me a blessing one time saying that I would get married again the way that they presented it was that in order for people to finish their missions they always had to have somebody that was going to be equal in their spirituality and equal to them now remember Lori didn't feel that Charles was her equal I talked about that in part one Zulema says so then they started saying Alex will be part of that for you He will be the person who will be able to help you with your mission. And they were saying that we should be together. I was praying and I was asking, and I just got this feeling that, okay, I think that it's time for me to marry him. Alex would be Zulema's sixth husband, I believe it is. But I do wonder, what did they say to Melanie Pulowski? She got married a day after Alex and Zulema, and only after two weeks from meeting Ian on this dating app. I mean, this sounds like a woman on a mission, don't you think? Let me know your thoughts below. So July 22nd, 2020, it was their belief that it would be the end of the world. And Justin says, it appears all these couples are getting married to each other to meet this July 2020 deadline. The episode then went and touched on the welfare check for JJ again, and that was in November. They talked about how Kay found Lori through Charles's Amazon account. Lori had ordered items for Hawaii and their Hawaiian wedding, not only for herself, but also Chad too. He didn't even buy their own rings. Lori charged it to Charles' card. So Charles, in this, in essence, paid for Lori and Chad's wedding. But Kay saw what the shipping address is, saw that it was Rexburg, and boom, she found them. She makes a call to the authorities. And Detective Hermesio's voice was on the special. We've seen him in the hearings numerous times. He still goes and he also took the stand. But in Sins of Our Mother, he said, "'I broke contact. "'I felt there was something more going on "'with the whereabouts of JJ, "'so I wanted more officers over there.'" Lieutenant Ron Ball, Detective Dave Stubbs, and Officer Kellen Wetton responded. So Lori tells the officers that JJ's with Melanie Gibb in Arizona and that they're probably at a Frozen 2 movie. This line has bugged me, as Lori would say, for a millennia because remember, I talked earlier about burning limb debris the heart attack comment, and Frozen 2 would also be her little play on words because at the time, there would be two children, namely Tylee and JJ, in the ground frozen in November when the welfare check happened. Super makes me spicy. And there's just more and more of that. What it didn't mention in the episode was that Lori asked Melanie Gibb to take random pictures of children that could look like JJ. I think that's another important detail, don't you think? Then there was the recorded call between Melanie Gibb, Lori, and Chad, and Melanie is asking where JJ is and confronting Lori. Lori tells Melanie that she does know where JJ is and that he is safe and that he's happy. There was also a little clip of Larry Woodcock JJ's grandpa and you can't help but be heartbroken seeing him. The clip was from the search for the kids and when he was offering, well he and Kay were offering a reward and Larry said he just wanted to hear JJ say papa one one more time and he would give anything to hear it again. He says he always just says papa if I could just have that back one time just one time and you can see him visibly upset just I can't even imagine what the family has gone through, so many deaths, so many murders, so much lies and so much hurt. It turns to Colby and it says the media went crazy after that, trying to call him, contact, him. He said one guy came to the door and said that he wanted to talk to Colby and that it would be a great story. Colby responds and says it's not a story to me and said he felt helpless. We also saw after the kids were missing we saw early on in the investigation that Colby started posting videos on YouTube pleading with his mom to produce the kids and just say where they are and he said it was a desperate attempt for the family. He said he was praying that Tylee would see it and then she would know that he was looking for her. So the welfare check was on November 26th, and by December 11th, Tammy's body was exhumed. And the day after that, on December 12th, Alex Cox, Lori's brother and Hitman, was dead. Now Zulema, his wife of two weeks, said this about Tammy Daybell. I thought if he did anything, Alex would probably tell me. Like if they exhume this body, are they going to find anything? So I remember that they were saying that she had become a zombie. And she says, so in the back of my mind, here I'm thinking they said the same thing about Charles. I'm thinking you guys are not going to do something physically to people who are turning into zombies. He sat back, meaning Alex, and pressed his back towards the headboard and he goes, no. And that's it there's no answer after that so then i stand up and i start walking away because i don't know what to think at this point point. and that's when he said i think i'm being their fall guy now remember alex shot charles then came tylie then came jj then brandon then the attempt on tammy 10 days before she actually died and then tammy died so it's all this little mix of alex lori and chad because alex wasn't the only one there So Alex dies on December 11th. He collapses at Zulema's place. Zulema's son calls 911 and he didn't know that his mom was married to Alex. He calls him her boyfriend. And Janice says, they told us the first night when we called the mortuary, he had blood clots in his lungs. He had thrombosis, blood clots in his lungs that does run in the family. Melanie Boudreau also said that in an interview. Colby says, my grandparents called me and told me I could hear the pain in their voices. I didn't know he was married. I didn't know he moved to Rexburg. All that was just like boom, boom, boom. I remember sitting there and something felt wrong. That's a lot of deaths. And Janice didn't know about the marriage either, of either Alex's or Lori's. And probably not Melanie's either. Colby says, that same night we come home and there's an article printed about my mom running away from Idaho with her new husband. I'm like, what are you doing? You're married, seriously? Janice says that Lori's sister Summer saw it on TV. She calls Janice and says, mom, Lori married Chad. She got married in Hawaii all these months ago. And Janice makes light of it a little bit and says, well, at least we didn't have to get her a present. Now remember, this is Lori's fifth marriage. Janice said, I didn't know what to think. I knew Tylee wouldn't like it. I said, Tylee is not gonna want another stepfather. It was just not good news. In this episode, they quickly touch on the search warrant of Chad's property on January 3rd, 2020. And this would be just under a month after they exhumed Tammy's body. According to reporter Nate Eaton, who also is featured in that episode, he said that they seized 43 items, including journals and electronics. What they didn't mention in the episode was they also found a shovel and pickaxe in Chad's garage, and they're testing small dark spots that were found on them. So by January 26th, 2020, Justin Lum says he gets a message that Lori and Chad were found living it up in Kauai, and lori was served a court order to produce the children and in true lori's style she just smirks and shrugs and doesn't say a thing but what it didn't mention in the episode was that in the glove box of the rental vehicle was tylie's bank card jj's ipad Tylee and jj's birth certificate another ipad that was logged into jj's apple account and registration receipts of JJ's school from in Rexburg. Colby said, I'll never forget watching the video of my mom in Chad. That was the first time I ever saw him. Like at that point he was like a fable. And then it showed the infamous line of Nate. I remember that moment still of him putting the microphone to Laurie saying, where are the kids? And after that there was even cupcakes made in Rexburg to show the support of the children. Where are the kids? And then Colby talks about Kauai Beach. He says, Next thing you know, they're actually on camera and they're heading to Kauai Beach. Here we are watching my mom walking to the same place with Chad, I saw her feeling like she was protecting him because he's that special. I really, really did lose my mind when I saw that video. And of course, Lori and Chad refused to answer any of the questions of where the children were. Larry was shown again and said, "'Do I think she's gonna bring them?' No, I'd be very surprised if she did." And so Lori was arrested after failing to produce the children. At the end of the episode, it shows Nate, as Lori was getting off the plane in Idaho, he's saying, "'Where are your kids? numerous times and says, what do you want to say to Colby? And the episode ends. In episode three, it says with Lori's children missing, the investigation turns to Lori and Chad amid a media frenzy and causes simmering suspicions to boil over. Check out the coded email video that I have here. And you can also check an interesting video I did on Lori's numerous flights that she did that year right here. And she had some passengers with her. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in the next video.